0: This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website, william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message.
1: There's a new website that just launched, thebitterbelly.com. It's an out of the cult experience that is based on the perspective of a woman's point of view. In the teachings of William Branham, there is a vast difference between the life of a woman and the life of a man. Women are not the same creatures of God, equal to man, that was described by the Apostle Paul. I love the title of the new site, The Bitter Belly. It's referring to the little scroll that John the Revelator ingested, the one that tasted good but made his stomach very bitter. The, sa- the blog post for today on this site describing the creation of the female reminded me of the Samaritan woman in the Bible. Too many times the people in the cult trample over the emotions of others without regard for their spirit. If they would only ask themselves what would Christ do? When we hear the word Samaritan today, it's typically associated with a good deed or a good work. The story of the Good Samaritan, given as an example in the Bible, reminds them that our love towards others is the way that Christ leads our hearts and minds. And in this day and age, with blended mix of race, nationality, and religion, we find extended helping hands from all sorts of people. In our understanding of what it meant for a good Samaritan is very limited. The Samaritans were a a very despised people. In the ancient world, the people of Samaria were vastly different to that of the Jews, yet still closely related. Samaritans followed the teachings of Abraham and considered their religion to be the one true religion. It was established before the exile of the children of Israel into Babylon. Those that remained in the land of Israel remained in the city of Samaria, which is located in northern Israel and was once the capital of the kingdom of Israel. But Samaria was far from perfect. The king of Assyria had brought people in from several nations to repopulate the cities of Samaria after Jewish exile. The second book of Kings tells of the slaughter of people for their mixing with nations practicing idolatry. Worship of Yahweh was mixed with strange gods. And even after God sent lions to kill the idolaters, the people did not fully cleanse their land from pagan worship. Second Kings chapter 17 says, So they feared the Lord, but also served their own gods after the manner of the nations from whom they had been carried away. With this mixture came political division. When Cyrus finally allowed the Jews to return to their homeland, and the Samaritans were ready to welcome them back, the Jews considered them to be renegades for having fallen to idolatry. When the Samaritans offered to assist in building the temple, their offer was rejected by the Jews. Ezra 4 describes how greatly this offended the Samaritans, and how they made the Jews fear rebuilding the temple through their political influence this division among the people of Abraham did not cease even until the time of Jesus Christ the people of Samaria were so mixed with Gentile blood that they were considered Gentiles by some of the Jews but the worst kind of Gentiles they were the Gentiles that were the impure Jews so when this example is given of the Jews who would not stop to help a man along the side of the road and how the Samaritan stopped to offer assistance is a stunning display of God's grace. The Samaritan would have been the one that the people would not have even considered to have stopped. And the man on the side of the road would not likely have even wanted the man to have stopped unless he was fully desperate beyond all political concern. But the story that seems long forgotten in the church is the one of the samaritan woman at the well it's told in the gospel of john chapter four you'll hear this story often in the cult of william branham branham told this story with great passion showing how jesus knew everything and how this woman he knew everything about her before she even walked up to the well and he did but like other stories in the bible about jesus christ Branham tried to show a loosely tied connection between this story and his own ministry it was the perfect way to promote yourself as God before the people let them convince themselves that you do the same things as Jesus Christ did let them think that you have the same authority from the Father let them think that you know the thoughts and intents of the heart and take their minds off of the fact that they've already written those down on the prayer cards and told them to the ushers, but the focal point of the Samaritan woman in the Bible is not the secrets of her heart. The focus of the story of the woman at the well was the sin in her life and God's perfect love and forgiveness of sin. Since Seek you the Truth started, several women have given their out of the cult stories, and many include a similar story. Some, are, some of them are divorced and remarried, many of which backed by scriptural application. William Branham preached an entire sermon on marriage and divorce, and immediately did this immediately after his son, Billy Paul, had divorced and then remarried. But to support his own son, Branham took the opposite standpoint that he took before on the scriptures in order to tie his prior teaching of marriage and divorce to the failure of his son. Prior to the fall of his son, Branham took a stand behind the pulpit that one could never be remarried under any circumstances. But after this turn of events, the doctrine was changed to allow men to do this, not women. He says this in Marriage and Divorce. See that back there, That see that original back there from the beginning now, remarrying now. He says, Notice, he can But she can't. What is this? While pretending to preach the same message as Paul, Branham took the polar opposite standpoint just for the sake of his son. And Paul is very clear on this subject. 1 Corinthians 7, And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, if he is pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. But, if the unbelieving depart, let them depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. God hath called us to peace. What knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or what knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? You see, in the cult... We were trained to believe that this was the unpardonable sin. We were trained also to despise women. Women were treated lowly, considered to be just a byproduct. Yet another major difference between the cult teaching and Paul's message. Cult pastors teach that remarrying is some strange sort of perpetual adultery. Many of them that have taught this have now fallen to their own types of adultery. Everything from pornography to extramarital relations. One pastor up north was caught producing his own videos of those relations. But when a woman comes to their pastor with this question, desperate for guidance, they're despised. More than one woman has given their testimony and described how these vicious cult pastors had instructed them to divorce their new husbands. One here in Jeffersonville said that the pastor humiliated her telling her that even then she would only be a servant to the bride. The Gospel of John chapter 4 should be a wake-up call. Pastors need to examine their own lives, asking themselves, What would Christ do? Too many times, these pastors ignore that question, and instead they ask themselves, What would William Branham do? And then they go look for some example in the history of the man's life and then try to model their own lives after it. And they don't really look too hard. Because if you only examine William Branham's own siblings, you'll find that William Branham married them. They divorced. He married them to others. They divorced. They traded women around like cattle. A different set of rules apply to the Branham clan. And some of the pastors know it. You'll find references to these multiple marriage at searchingforvindication.com. They don't care, because they have based their example on Branham, not on Christ. If we were to ask ourselves, what would Christ do? I think many things would be different in our lives. These women that went back to their pastor for spiritual guidance would have been given the story of the woman at the well, not mocking, belittling, conceited sermons like marriage and divorce. This would have been scriptural examples, not unscriptural recordings. Those women that have been excommunicated from the cult, even one pastor's own daughter, would have been showed love and not hate. Jesus stood before a Samaritan woman. And the the woman that simply because of her race was despised by the Jews. And this woman, who had been married and divorced and remarried several times, Branham called this woman a prostitute. Cult pastors teach this. But try to find a single scripture in the Bible, one single scripture, describing her as a prostitute. Look for yourselves. That single derogatory term given by these cult pastors, following in the steps of their fearless leader, is offensive. This was a woman riddled with the guilt of sin. She needed a savior in her life. She had not found love on this earth, several failed marriages. You cult pastors, picture this situation. Some poor sister comes up to you a person who knows and believes God, and she's desperately seeking spiritual guidance. She needs the love of Christ in her life, and she wants to learn more about the gospel. She wants to apply the gospel to her life. Ask yourself, what would Christ do? Would Christ stand before a woman like some dictator with a tiny mustache, telling her to leave her new husband? that she might make a little servant to the bride. Would Christ turn her away saying, get away from me, you filthy prostitute? Would Christ go behind people's backs, marrying her to other men without his disciples knowing it, preaching one life and living another? If you want to know what Christ would do, it's not that hard really. You have to get your head out of those tapes that have very little to do with your Bibles. You have to take off those earphones, fill with those MP3s of that man screaming like a Nazi. You have to throw those books out with those twisted scriptures, those failed prophecies, and those fictional life stories. You have to get back to the Word of God. The Bible will show you exactly what Christ would do. Since so many cult pastors are unfamiliar with this book, let's read and let's find out what Christ would do. And let's see the results of the actions that Christ took as our example. John chapter 4. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although Jesus himself did not baptize only his apostles. Notice the example. Christ did not baptize. He taught others to become leaders, not just followers. It says he left Judea and and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. And he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near a field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus wearied as he was from his journey, sitting back beside the well. It was the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said unto him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Think of the cult. What if this were a Catholic woman? What if this were a Baptist woman? What would you, a Branamite, want with me? Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well to drink from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said unto her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw this water. She didn't realize it yet, but Christ had just offered her eternal life and christ knew everything about her life he knew who she was he knew what she had done and he knew of the sin that had burdened her life so jesus said to her go call your husband and come here the woman answered him and said i have no husband jesus said you are right in saying i have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one that you have now is not your husband what you've said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem, this is the place where people ought to worship. This part is more accurate today than the people in the cult realize. The Jews were taught to worship at Mount Zion. She was taught to worship in Samaria. Both groups were taught that their little, on, little place on earth was the holy place. And if they did not worship in that location, their worship was in vain. But think of the cult. They worship in a Methodist church. We worship with the little bride. Friends, if you're worshiping Christ, you can worship Christ in a Buddhist temple if you want to. Think of it. What if you started going around the world to temples of pagan worship, showing others the power of God in your life, and converting the masses into Christianity? Paul wasn't afraid to go into the pagan world, leading souls to Christ. But this message, this message of William Branham, is so much different than the message of Paul. What would Christ do? Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Je- Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for the salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I who speak to you am he. This is he. This is the one worthy of all praise. Notice how he said that she would worship. In spirit and in truth, he wouldn't send disciples into the land to tell fictional stories of squirrels and bears and cabins in Kentucky and the length of antlers. Who cares about these things? What if the woman looked up at Christ and said, Sir, I believe that you're a prophet, but our prophet has seen a squirrel. Even the disciples were amazed at the level of the display of the love of God. Listen to this next part. Just then his disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, who do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left the water jar and went away into the town, and said to the people, come, come see the man that told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? they went out of the town and they were coming to him meanwhile the disciples urged him saying rabbi eat but he said to them i have food to eat that you do not know about so the disciples said to one another has anyone brought him anything to eat jesus said unto them my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to accomplish his work do not say there are yet four months then comes the harvest Look, I tell you, you lift up your eyes and see that the fields are wheat, are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. The woman at the well. So that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I have sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many times we like to sow the seed and stand there (coughs) hovering over it so that we can see the immediate fruit of our labor. But what we do not realize is that by standing there hovering over it, we're no longer scattering seed. And worse, we are blocking the sunlight. I've asked you, what would Christ do? And I've showed you by example what Christ did. It's written on the Word of God. Christ did not turn away the woman. He did not call her a prostitute. Christ did not discriminate against women like these abusive cult leaders and pastors. Because Christ showed the woman perfect love, listen to what happened in that city. It says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me all that I ever did. So, when the Samaritans came out, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Listen to this. And many more believed because of his word. They said to a woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For what we have heard ourselves, and we know that indeed this is the Savior of the world. Notice. Some believed that Jesus was all-knowing, and they believed on that, and they believed him to be the Christ, and they were saved. That, again, is the focal point of the story in the cult. But listen to what immediately came after this statement. And many more believed because of his word. And it says, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves and we know that this is the Savior of the world. There were people that were converted into Christians when William Branham used his parlor tricks with those prayer cards, people who never knew Christ in their lives. Many continued on to their Bibles to learn the real Christ of the Bible, not the one that Branham taught who had to see a vision from the Father before he could heal one person. But think of the massive impact on the world. If Branham had a instead brought the people together over the Word of God. Look around right now. The entire cult, the entire cult is falling apart after learning just how many times that he lied on the sermons. Their foundation was not the Bible. If the foundation of the cult was the Bible, it wouldn't have mattered at all that William Branham lied. They would have just considered him a sinner and then continued on in the cult. And it would not have even been considered a cult. But the foundation of this cult is the words of a man. Words that have now been proven false. Stories that have been proven fiction. Prophecies that have been proven to have failed. Things would have been much, much different if William Branham had have just asked himself this one simple question. What would Christ do?